You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, my favorite person in the world, Desiree. How are you doing tonight, Desi? You use my full name. Am I in trouble? No, not at all. Okay, just make it sure. I'm I doing mean, I good. C- could use first and middle name if you'd like. Then you're in trouble. No, then you're in trouble. Oh, okay. I've concealed my middle name for most people. I, I had to give my middle initial to somebody over the phone today, and I stuttered because I couldn't remember what it is. That's just dumb. But I don't use it ever very often. So somebody said, what's your middle initial? And I'm like, uh, 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 uh oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. That, and then I was worried it. that the lady at the bank was going to think I was trying to scam her and I wasn't really me because I didn't know my middle initial. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny. Even though you're calling because you, you thought you were getting scammed. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's hilarious. Anyway, I think I will kick things off tonight. Damn straight you will. And my first story is a story of a story of a story. A story of kind a story of. of a story. So it's like a mirror looking in a mirror. So it looks yeah, like a mirror really. is looking in a mirror and a mirror and a mirror. Not really. But um, Lindsay Matrick. Uh, the Matrix? No, oh, not damn the it. Matrix. I thought it was going to be like, um, okay. One of her favorite things to do um, a few years ago now, this is in 2015, was to tell her three-year-old son, Cole, the story of her grandfather. I thought you were going to say the story of a lady. No. <laughs> no. I'm really aging myself, ain't I? A little bit. A little, yeah. Uh, actually, it was Lindsay's great-grandfather. His great, her great-grandfather was Harry Colburn. He was a, a veterinarian, and he joined the Canadian, Canadian Army Veterinary Corps, to tend to horses on the Western Front in World War One. Okay. Um, before he left to go to Europe to fight the war, he was on a train traveling across Canada because he is Canadian, and they pulled into uh, White River, Ontario, where strapped to a bench uh, outside the train station was a female cub, bear cub. Strapped to a bench. Strapped to a bench, and there was a guy sitting there. The guy was a hunter. He couldn't bring himself to shoot the cub. So this Harry Colburn, who's a veterinarian, offered to buy the cub for $20. That's a lot of money back in, I mean, we're talking early 1900s. Wait, 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 wait. This guy couldn't shoot the cub, so he takes it home with him? I guess so. Why wouldn't he just leave it in the woods? I don't know, but he did take it home with him, had him strapped to the bench, Harry Colburn comes by on a train and buys him for $20. Okay. Uh, Harry decides to take the bear with him to Europe. I can't believe the Canadian (laughs) Army would allow this. But the bear basically became the mascot for his his, uh, regiment in the the Canadian Army. So that that was kind of cool. Weird. Um, He named the the bear after his hometown of Winnipeg. So... So the name is, it was Winnie. The the bear's name was Winnie. Winnipeg. Um, he, Winnie. <laughs> he was training in London and Winnie was there with him the whole time. And she was really smart and she would interact with people really well. But then it was time to go off to Germany. And he couldn't she, take her to war. He didn't like Germany. So instead he <laughs> brought her to the London Zoo. Okay. And his plan was, I'll leave her at the zoo. They They'd take care of her. I'll be gone for a couple of months, come back and get her, and we'll go home. Well, the war lasted about, he was gone for about four years instead of just a couple of months. Wow. By that time, she had grown accustomed to the zoo. She probably didn't even know who he was anymore. Maybe not. Four um, years as a cub? She was kind of a, the star attraction at the zoo. Um, she was so well good with people, they would allow children in the cage to sit with her and play with her. Weird. As a, you know, as a fully grown, you know, female bear. Kind of crazy. Um, so when Harry came back. He left her there, of course. Um, he did come back and visit her a few times. But uh, one of the regulars at the zoo, his name was A.A. Uh, a. Mill, and he had a son named Christopher. Okay. Christopher became very attached to the bear. Okay. Christopher's middle name is Robin. Oh, my God. A.A. Mill is the author of Winnie the Pooh. 
I thought that story is so cool that Winnie the Pooh is based on a real bear. Now, Winnie is supposed to be a girl and Winnie the Pooh is a boy, but <laughs> it's a little different. That's funny, though. <laughs> but it's such it was such a heartwarming story to hear. And she likes to tell her, her this the granddaughter likes to tell her uh, her son all the stories. And she has a diary of her great-grandfather's. And he documented buying the bear and training, you know, the bear being really close with everybody. So it's not like this is a, you know, a family story told down that probably isn't true. This is how Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh, Pooh came, came about. about. And he befriends a boy named Christopher Robin in the zoo. I thought that was just crazy. Like that uh, Winnie the Pooh actually has. In the thousand has, acre woods. Winnie the Pooh has a like a backstory that's like real. It's, <laughs> it's kind of so, crazy. <laughs> What about Piglet? Does Piglet have a backstory or Eeyore? Um, no, all the rest of the characters were all um, based on stuffed animals that Christopher Robin owned. Okay. So he had a little pig as a stuffed animal. He had a, all the other Eeyore. animals. Eeyore, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if he named them so all So I wonder that, if but... Eeyore's tail, his stuffed animal, actually came off all the time and he had to pin it back on. You know what? It probably did. That wouldn't surprise me being that kind of the origin of the story it wouldn't surprise me if he had a... Eeyore's my favorite because he's always so happy. Yeah. I love Eeyore. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Eeyore. Whatever. You just <laughs> don't know. I liked Piglet. I liked Piglet too, but Eeyore was my favorite. One thing that uh, Winnie the that the, the story of Winnie the Pooh did not get exactly right, uh, Winnie did have a very healthy appetite, but her favorite thing to eat was condensed milk, not honey. But it's still sweet. <laughs> and you don't find condensed milk in a tree with bees. No, this is true. Or in the woods. And actually, at the time, in London, there wasn't a lot of honey <laughs> from what I was reading. Well, so it, wasn't, it was under know. war, and I know yeah. London was under attack, yeah. too. So yeah, so I could see so that. That was my story of a story of a story. I like that story. You like that? Of a story of yeah. a story. Kind of reminded me a little bit of my brother. He was so into Winnie the Pooh as a kid. And my his mom still calls him Pooh Bear, so you know. I've kinda, never heard her call him you've that. Never heard her call him that. He she does it every once in a while still. Hmm. I wonder if he even listens to this and if he'll even hear this. I don't know. Well, uh, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will. Pooh Bear, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> let us know. <laughs> so, okay. So my story. Is nowhere near as cool as that. Maybe my second story, but not like that. That's like enchanted, all that cool, fun stuff. Cool, I picked a good one this week. Yes. We were even talking about Winnie the Pooh yesterday, even. Cool. We're going to Disney World because Shelly's going to take me. Cool. Anyways, um, my first story is mysterious fast radio bursts from deep space repeat themselves every 16 days. Cool. So we're picking up on a signal every 16 mm. days. Well, for the most part. Okay. So. What are these? Where do they come from? Aliens. Okay. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> so one of uh, the universe's deep mysteries just got a little, a lot stranger. Um, Earth from deep space is getting or earth from deep space i feel like i said that wrong is getting a repeating 16 day pattern in one of the bursts okay um it's undetermined um if one of the most popular theories from where the bursts are coming from so i mean there's tons of different theories well, i'm sure yeah they really don't know at this point where it's coming from. <laughs> not like they can just go and see where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, that would be kind of cool if we could jump in our little Star Trek spaceship yeah, and just, just kind of check it out, see what the Klingons are doing. Klingons, maybe the Vulc Vulcans, Vulcans, yeah. Vulcans, Velcro, whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> name association. So the fast radial bursts, or otherwise known as the FRBs, have likely happened for billions of years. We've just only recently discovered these back in 2007, though. Um, hmm. We've detected only a few dozen of them since. In June of 2019, astronaut or er, astronomers, not astronauts, 
uh, finally tracked an FRB to its home galaxy. Okay. So That's they cool. have a general facility, but as we all know, living in the Milky Way, <laughs> how big yes. this can be because we have the sun, all of us planets, and then the stars yep. that surround our galaxy. So in a galaxy far, far away. So if we wanted to go, it might take a little while to get there. A little while, <laughs> just a little. Um, So they've been looking at this, but it's almost... Like these are coming in the six sixteen days, um, and it's through a four day cycle of regular activity beating out radio waves into space, and it's almost hourly on that one day, huh? Or the four days, yeah. And then it goes into a twelve day period of silence, and then sometimes um, the source seems to skip its usual four day awake period and only lets out. A single burst. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so theories are there's some sort of like catastrophic stars are bouncing mm-hmm. against each other or something. And and it's like all these little, in my mind, I'm picturing microwaves. But I don't know the proper terms for it, but just little waves kind mm-hmm. of going through the atmosphere, through space. And as our universe, we revolve around... Mm-hmm. The Earth. Well, what if one planet is sending the signal off or something, and then like the moon gets in a way and it kind of bounces, bounces off, off of it there. and yeah. goes backwards, so it's not coming directly towards us for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So that's kind of my thought process when I'm thinking of this. Um, when we're only getting the the single burst, mm-hmm. but they don't really know because they cannot pin it down what's causing this. But we're picking up something. Hmm. Reading through this, it made me think of the 80s, or was it the 70s? I think it was the 80s, where we sent out a ra- radio signal ourselves. Yeah. I'm not sure when it was, outer but space. I'm very aware of it. Um, it makes me think of, I wonder how many, or how much, as I know, as somebody who follows not only science, but science fiction, <laughs> it, it's you know well known that space is quiet and silent as no, far as not apparently it's not well, i was gonna say like actual space but once you get into some kind of atmosphere where like you could hear something you, you would, there would be waves and it makes me wonder what it sounds like not microwaves radio what, waves what does, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> what does different things in the universe sound like like it's just crazy to think about could you imagine like two pieces of frozen gases that are out there that just collide together if it even makes yeah. a noise yeah it's crazy if a bear shits in the woods <laughs> do you hear it if, if it if it shits in another galaxy you can't hear it at all <laughs> well maybe are you, you can sure? <laughs> maybe you are can. you sure <laughs> that's interesting it's just trippy to once i start thinking about how large the universe is and how far away things are it just boggles my mind and i can't wrap my head around things i it's funny you even say that but growing up maybe we've all done this and maybe i'm just weird and it's okay because i admit my weirdom <laughs> bring on the outcast yeah but growing up i remember feeling so large and in charge of my life. Mm-hmm. And then there would be nights I would be sitting outside because I've always been a camper. I've always loved nature. But at night, you're kind of staring up into the stars. And then all of a sudden, you feel so small and ex- insignificant. Like, mm-hmm. I am so teeny, teeny, tiny yep. that I am like an atom inside this bigger place. Yeah. I like. I know. I uh, don't even want to. Earth is like a molecule, and we're all the yeah, atoms. Yeah, I don't even want to say this because it's going to just show that I'm not don't have my science chops, and I'm not don't know. I enough. love science, though. But it was today or yesterday is the anniversary of the discovery of Pluto, and I don't remember the year. I it was discovered. did a story on Pluto. If I would have known that, <laughs> I, I don't remember the year it was discovered. But Pluto has yet to make a full revolution around the sun since it was discovered. That's how far away it is. 
Oh my God, maybe that was the story I saved for next week. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. There is a story I, I have saved no for next week and because it lands on the 27th. Are you sure it was today or tomorrow? I'm almost positive. I was just reading about it the other it day. It might no, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't the twenty maybe that isn't the story I was thinking of. Something's on the twenty seventh and I found a story. I'm like, nope, I'm doing it next week because the show airs on the twenty seventh. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, just thinking about the vast, you know, how large everything is and how little we know. What? How little we how know. How little you know. No, how little we as <laughs> as people, as a species, know. Did you about not the just universe. hear me? We are atoms in the molecule because in our bodies, I'm we an have atom. Mo- you're an Eve. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. I'm done talking. <laughs> well, that was cool. You actually left me speechless. That was really that cool. Never happens. <laughs> I don't have to remember how I did that. I don't know. Good thing it's recorded. You called me Eve. Anyway. <laughs> Just remember that, Adam. Yeah. I was supposed to be an Adam, by the so way. So was I. If I would have been a boy in the baby book, it says my my name was picked out to be Adam. If my like second cousin wasn't born two weeks for before Ellen. me. Two, two weeks before. No, it wasn't. Ellen. I was not Ellen. named for Ellen. But Gotcha. Anyway, my next story. Bum, bum, bum. British Airways Flight 5390. I don't know if the bum, bum, bum was all that necessary for that. Maybe. Let's find out. Mm. <laughs> uh, British, British Airways Flight 5390 uh, in, on June 10th, 1990, took off from uh, Birmingham Airport in England. It was headed to Malaga Airport in Spain. Okay. Um. It was a routine routine takeoff. Uh, the pilot, uh, whose name was Atchison, uh, handed control over the after the takeoff to uh, Lancaster. Lancaster was the co-pilot. Uh, plane continued to climb. Both pilots released their shoulder harnesses. Lancaster loosened his lap belt, and at eight thirty three, the plane had climbed to about seventeen thousand three hundred feet. Pretty normal, you know. Okay. Flight. This is a plane with about eighty some passengers on it. You know. Um, the cabin crew were preparing for a meal service. Uh, flight attendant Neil Ogan was entering the cockpit when there was a loud bang. And the cabin quickly filled with condensation. So it wasn't snakes. And uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the left wind- windscreen panel on Lancaster's side of the flight deck separated from the fuselage. And Lancaster was propelled out of his seat by rushing air from decompression and forced head first, right out the window. Wait, what? The window? <laughs> a window was open? The well, not the window wasn't open. It broke open. The windshield, the wind thing busted open. Oh, my God. Um, his knees got caught on the flight controls, so half of his body is hanging out. They're at 17,000 feet in the air. I know. What would be running through your head at that moment? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, this is what's going through my head at this moment. Like, um, oh my God. The the co-pilot... I'd pray to God the co-pilot is smart enough to react right away. The co-pilot did react very quickly. The problem was this plane... He, he didn't was, like him and he pushed him out. No, the problem was <laughs> his legs are wrapped around the flight controls and moving things all over the place. Oh, shit. Shit. So it took a while for them to get control to the co-pilot side so they didn't have uh, you know that happening. They took a, the co-pilot then quickly dove the plane as fast as he could because this plane was not outfitted with oxygen for everybody. Oh. And we are now at 17,000 feet decompressing because we have open air coming in. Um, he uh, was able to get it to an altitude where people could breathe. Uh, re-engaged the autopilot and started trying to broadcast a distress call. But it's so loud in the cabin, he can't hear it. He can't hear the response to the distress call. Oh, my God. In the meantime, two flight attendants are taking turns trying to hold the captain's uh, legs so he doesn't fly away. They are assuming at this point he's dead. He's probably but passed out because what they're worried of about is sheer if, terror. They're worried if they let him go, he flies into an engine. He's... And not only is he dead, then they're all dead. He's pate. So, anyway, all this fighting goes on, you know, trying to keep 
things stable, trying to contact the ground. Finally, they get hold of a, a local airport. They get clearance to land on a runway. The co-pilot brings them down, lands them on the runway, and everybody survived. The uh, I I am so thankful I wasn't that pilot. The captain survived. <laughs> he had frostbite, uh, bruising, shock, and fractures on his right arm. Not and, even his legs. Nope. And Ooh. the uh, the co-pilot had uh, dislocated a shoulder and had frostbite on his face as well because of the open. Well, air. yeah, and you're going so fast too. I mean, I'd expect that. Yeah. Um, turns out, investigation afterwards, the bolts used to put this portion of the wind windshield area on were too short <laughs> so that's how it ended up busting oh out i just thought God. it was amazing that this is a really weird you know cool story a uh, kind of a plane incident and everybody survived just some minor injuries the um the captain even went on like he took a five month break and then he five was, months five I months been and like, he was back in the air flying i again. need a few years I'm going to need a few years <laughs> yeah. and a lot of therapy. I don't think I would therapy. ever get back in a plane again if I was that guy. Yeah. Um, Not many things happen in a plane. So it's like Captain Sully, Scully yeah. Yeah. of Hudson. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in one incident, what's the odds of a That's second true, one's going to happen? It's I, almost like still. lightning rarely strikes twice in the same spot. That's true. That's true. But still, I just, it, it, it would still freak me out, I'm sure. You know. uh, I'd be freaked out. I'd be like, PTSD, check please. Exactly. <laughs> so that was British Airways Flight 5390. Everybody survived. That is crazy. Well, my next story, if anyone's, heard about it because i have actually heard about it and i came across it today it's gonna know all the people did not survive oh no there were no survivors <sighs> um so and you may have heard of this i'm not sure okay but more than 60 years later the diav diavlov pass incident remains one of the most baffling and eerie mysteries of all time um it's mysterious students' death in the Urals. Oh, like the what the, the movie Alive was based on? No, no, no. The Urals is in Russia. Oh, okay. So on June twenty third of nineteen fifty nine, nine young Russian students of the USSR set out on a hundred and ninety mile cross country ski tour in the Ural north of Serlovsky. Okay. Um, when they failed to return, a search party was deployed, and after six days, a tragic discovery was made. The mysterious circumstances of their death, though, still puzzles experts even to this day. Hmm. Like, I hear about this, and my brain just goes wild. Like, mm -hmm. what could it be? My thought is avalanche, personally. Okay. Or maybe Bigfoot sense. really does exist. <laughs> but avalanche doesn't completely make sense, but it kind of does. Okay. Kind of, sort of. Um, so the victims are identified. They're all Russian names, so I'm going to really slaughter all of these. We know. Just, That's okay. I know. I slaughter <laughs> everything as it is. So we have Igor... Um, Dilof, I cannot, I cannot even say it. Uh, Dilofa. Okay. This is what the pass was named okay. after because yeah. he was the leader. He's the one that put this all together. Mm -hmm. Um, Zenata Kilmorgorva. I wish I was Russian. This would be fun to Kilmorgorva. say. Um, Litamil. I'm just going to say first names. Yeah. Just Alexander. Roostern, Yuri, Yuri, Nikolai, and Alexander Z. Okay. Alexander K, Alexander Z, Yuri K, Yuri D. Cool. So the students were attending the Ural Polytech um, Institute, and as members of the university sports club, they trained for trekking tours that would take them into the wilds of the Ural Mountains. Um, the particular route they chose belonged to the 
the third category the most difficult of tracks. Okay. I was imagining this must be difficult if they didn't It was make the it. diamond path. Yeah. <laughs> if we're going But at least these are, here. you know, we're, we're at least talking about trained people, not, you know, amateurs. Well, they weren't training in this stuff. It's oh. just they were in this sports club. Okay. So they weren't really trained. Okay. So um, they were young kids. I guess young students. Yeah, you did say that. Um, And there was one 38-year-old war veteran. Okay. But young kids who usually... Mm-hmm. Young kids are more daring. I know yeah. as a younger, oh, I'm still daring. But when I was younger, I was a lot more daring. Yeah. But I was a lot more ashamed too. <laughs> so, um, so during the winter, the area of their tour was known as the deep snow, uh, fierce and sudden storms and high winds. And they did intend to climb Mount Ort- Orton, okay. which is meaning don't go there. In the indigenous <laughs> Mansi language. You shouldn't climb the mountain that's named Don't Go There. No. And the Mansi people, when I was watching a documentary a long, long time ago, they mm-hmm. said, don't go there because that's where the Yetis live. Okay. that's You're going to die. You're not coming back. So that's kind of where the Yeti thing came in Maybe. is because of the local natives. Um, And then Mount Aki Chakur was the other place they were going. So they're about 4,000 feet apart elevation. Okay. Um, The trip would start on January 23rd, and the group was scheduled to return to their base on February 12th. Igor, however, thought a more realistic return date was going to be the 14th or the 15th. Okay. So he did not report this plan until after they began the exploration. Uh, He didn't submit the route to the sports club officials. But Uh-oh. during the investigation, Alexander's Alexander K's sister produced the route. The following image details the original plan. So okay. somebody at least had it. Yeah. Um. So the group spent the first few days of the trip traveling by train, bus, and truck to get to their starting base. Then on the twenty seventh, they headed out on skis. Shortly after the trek, um, the tenth member of the group. Yuri Yedin uh, developed a major problem with his legs and was unable to proceed um, to the active portion of the tour. So he returned home and he did live until 2013. Oh my God. Imagine being that guy. He probably had PTSD for the rest of his life. Like survivor's guilt. Wouldn't doubt it at all. Like I I was supposed to be on that. And oh my God. And uh, so... The rest of the group, they trekked along um, the Lo- Lozva and the Aspla River, where they camped overnight on the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Okay. Um, at this time, they were following the Mansi Reindeer Trail. Um, on July 31st, they began their ascent to the, I just want to say Camp Cucamonga. <laughs> Don't even ask. Um the Kalachi something mountain. Okay. Um, I'm only saying it like that because it's going to co- sound a lot worse coming out of my mouth. Um, which is about nine miles from Mount Orton. So, um, they had journals, they had video cameras, so they they had cameras, so they were they were journaling their trip. Okay. So this is how they knew where they were at during these days and what mm. was going on. Um, so this stuff was found. This stuff was found. Okay. So they deviated further and higher than they should have gone instead of heading back down the valley um, where they would have been more safely amongst the trees. They decided to set up camp on the ridge. The elevation was 3,540 feet. Hmm. So the group... Um, after failing to return from the expedition on their scheduled date of February 12th, families of the missing skiers became worried. University Sports Club told them uh, they would return around the 14th or 15th. And then when the 15th came and went, they notified the authorities at that point. Okay. Um, they were discovered February 25th or 26th. Only few portions of the tents poked out from the snow 
but it contained almost all of the students' personal items. So none of the students were in none there. None of the students were there, but their stuff is there. So oddly, there were three uh, primary cuts measuring uh, 12 inches, 16, and 35 inches in the canvas on the right side of the roof. Uh, the analysts determined that the cuts came from the inside. Investigators wondered if the skiers had crawled out through the holes and why. And then inside the tent, they found nine pairs of boots, plus three felt boots, padded and fur jackets, parkas, axes, blankets, hats, socks, food. Sounds like these people went crazy. Uh, cooking items and other belongings. Eight pairs of skis laid near the tent. They also found rolls of film, the diaries that helped investigators recreate the group's movements up until the last day where... Um, day they were alive uh, around the snow-covered um, campsite. Footprints leading away from the tent were visible. Some of the, pr- the prints revealed that certain individuals were only wearing socks while others were completely barefoot. Their prints led 500 meters away from the tent and then disappeared into the snow. Oh, my gosh. So, um... What the so heck? On the same day... Hunters found the leader of the group, Igor, about 980 feet away from the cedar tree uh, in the direction of the tent. He was laying on his back, clutching a birch tree branch. Okay. And it appeared been, um, he had been waving. And he was dressed fairly warm, except for the lack of shoes. However, it was odd that he had wool socks on his right foot and a cotton sock on his left foot. They found... Um, Zadari, about 1,080 feet from the hill from Igor. And she, too, wore no shoes, although she had warm clothes. Her nose had bled, and she was heading towards the tent. Other searching searchers found um, Rustam. I can't say that name. On March 5th. And he was even further up since up the slope from the cedar also appeared to have been walking towards the tent. And blood stain on the skin, around the nose, four pairs of socks. Otherwise, he was dressed warm and had a fractured skull. It was not enough to kill him. Hypothermia was his cause of death. Okay. So... With the search, uh, for months, the search continued, but no other bodies turned up. Then in early May, when the snow had started to melt, um, nearby the ravine, they had discovered bodies of the other skiers under about seven feet of snow. So this is Holy what cow. makes me go avalanche is yeah. seven feet of snow. But this is also Russia God, it just doesn't, in the mountains. I just don't Who understand. Knows? Like, Why don't they oh, have any shoes on? It gets crazier. <laughs> Someone or something had crushed the base of Tebow's skull. I can't remember Tebow's first name. I'm trying to get back to the list real quick of the of the people. Nicol, Nicola. Okay. Um, crushed the skull. However, he had no external wounds indicating a blow to the head. He suffered massive bleeding inside the head, though. Um, and then we have Lamal. And I need to just leave this list out here. Oh, that was the first name. (laughs) Had multiple broken ribs on both sides. Her heart showed extensive hemorrhage on the right vertical and bleeding on her chest cavity. The autopsy also noted missing of her tongue and her eyes. Now, that's weird. That is really weird. Um, It does say probably a result of decoupling. Decomposition. I can't okay. even say it. Decomposition. Decompost. <laughs> <laughs> in in the stream. Um. I think of something else though. But anyways, and then, um, we have Alexander K. He had froze to death and had also suffered suffered from severe chest trauma with multiple multiple rib fractures and bleeding in the chest and heart and his eyes were also gone so 
this is weird. I know it's super weird, but they had no ex- nothing external. Everything was, Everything was internal. internal. So, um, with that, the force of their bodies was equal to a high speed car chase or an explosion, as described by, um, Boris. I can't even say the last name. Uh, revised the forensic medical examiner in charge of the autopsies in the case, though. He concluded that the injuries um, to two of the people, they were a result of a large force pro- approximately the same as the applied to uh, Tebow with the skull mm-hmm. injury. These injuries, namely... With such a picture that without uh, disturbing the integrity of the soft tissue of the chest and are very similar to trauma caused by an air blast wave. Okay. So with this, and they also had radiation on their clothes. Mm. So it was like people who had worked with the radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of theories though they don't know exactly what happened um multiple theories did surface students death um investigating like the mancy people attacked him but that doesn't make sense because the mancy people were very friendly and they would try to help people who are in need yeah and they got along with the people of the community so they're there that shouldn't have been it Mm -hmm. um another idea was the avalanche um, investigators are doubtful because much of the way the tent laid above the snow and there was still like they could see their footprints and stuff yeah, like that. that. Doesn't make so sense it didn't cover that up. That should have covered it up. And they said that the feet print looked like they were walking away. They weren't actually running or running. in a rush or okay. anything like that. Um, experts, one explanation was the lack of clothing. They may be that somewhere suffering from hypothermia. That could be, I guess. But, but it doesn't, doesn't explain, explain the trauma. The, like... Exactly. Uh, fireball observations. So one theory say that the area surrounding the event was a military testing ground and that and there was a military was testing thinking. ground around. A weapon test accidentally killed the individuals. This is supported by the medical examination that called for a powerful force that yeah. killed some of them. Um, additionally, during February and March, multiple witnesses claimed that they had seen what they described as fireballs in the night sky, and they provided written statements, including detailed description. And if anyone's interested, you can go read that mm. description, too. Um, That's where I'd put my money on some kind of. But that also brings up the UFOs and the Yetis. Like all those things started coming out. But even to this day, they have no clue. No concrete clue on how it happened. No idea. If anybody does know, they're sure in a hell not saying. In the documentary, it had a small clip, a video clip. Like they were scared. Like they were taking this film and they were scared of something outside of the tent. It's okay. not in this story, yeah. but I remember watching that and I was like, okay, hmm. this is really weird. But it was like such a small, and that's where the whole Yeti thing came about. Okay. Like something's outside of the tent and that's why they cut the tent open from the inside because it was on the other, the side, other side of the tent. They and they were out. escaping out the other side. Yeah. So. I think they'd have been running then though, not just I walking. know. I know. But. I don't know. It's just crazy. It was a theory that crazy, was out crazy there. Crazy, story. You know, people believe in unicorns too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was unicorns. Could have been. <laughs> Never know what those horns are for. That's true. They are horny. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's one of those stories that you've brought that I think I want to do a little reading on, watch some videos on it just to... Well, there's a documentary yeah. out there. I don't know if I watched it on the History Channel or where I watched it. Maybe mm-hmm. it was Discovery, but... It was good. It's interesting. Hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Well, my final story. Woohoo! Just kidding. <laughs> That's mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, many times in my life I've been, you know, hurting for money and would often wonder this. Um, so today I did a little research and a little looking 
to find out how much my body parts would be worth on the black market. Oh, my God. <laughs> but no. there's, there's some interest. There, there's one thing. This is a very short story. I'm just going to go over some prices. Now, obviously, <laughs> these could vary wildly depending on who you're talking to and who's trying to buy your stuff. Um, but I did find somebody that did that did some studies and and looked at a bunch of different situations to kind of sell an to organ gauge, on the black market kind of gauge it, it happens it happens all over the world I know, um but there's how? actually there's one country in the world where it is legal to sell your own body parts the rest of the countries it's illegal well it one makes country, sense to me where i don't know what country it's probably it's, china it's iran iran but is the one country that that's you weird sell your body parts in um but all i can think is it's your body you should be able to yeah. do whatever you want but with it. it. Is legal. But I thought it was very interesting. Like on average, you, you want to buy two eyes. It's about $1,500. Uh, if, you want, if you want to buy a skull without teeth, it's about $1,200. But you're not even getting this money. You're well, dead no, of now. That, that's kind of the point of this. Um, but poor of what I'm about to say. A uh, shoulder goes for about $500. A liver goes for $157,000. What if it's like a fatty liver? A heart goes for $120,000. And I thought, why is a liver so much more than a heart? And then I realized, because you can give away part of your liver while you're living. Uh -huh. So the money's worth more to you than when you're dead. <laughs> oh. And then I kind of confirmed that as I kind of looked down. Kidneys go for $250,000 a pop. Because you can live without with, a kid, one, with kidney. one kidney. So I just thought that was really interesting, like how the prices actually do vary, whether you're harvesting them from a dead person or a living person. They're way more expensive to get from a living person than from a dead person, obviously. Well, yeah. So why would you even... And who would have that kind of money? I have no idea. But I'm sure... Th the article I was reading on this talked about how it's estimated that about... 10% of the legal transplant organ transplants done in the world are actually done with black market body parts because if you can find a liver, sometimes you can get a doctor to just keep his mouth shut and get it. You're not Maybe not a liver, but a heart. Or if you can find a black market hey, body doc. part and the right doctor, you can get it done and the doctor will be performing it legally. Everything will seem on the up and up except the where the body part came from. Hey doc, I just bought I just bought this liver because I have a drinking problem and I need you to switch it out for mine and don't ask questions where it came from. You're still going to get paid. I tell you where it came <laughs> from, but she told me to live her alone. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so if you want to sell some body parts, there's a price list for you. I'm not sure exactly where you go to make that sale. I don't think they do that the on internet. eBay. I don't even think you, you'd have to go like dark web or something. I don't think really. You'd do it if on the it's internet. legal in Iran, you just go make well, I'm sure, friends yeah. Yeah, with go, somebody in there Iran. You go. go to Iran. You can sell all the body parts you want there. I wouldn't even know how to get to the dark web. Yeah, I did. I actually I did long time ago, but we're talking how? 10, 15, before we were together. What is even on ago. there that you would want to go there for? I just thought it was cool to look at. I have been kind of curious, That's all it but was. I it was never cool even at. want it traced back to the No, house. exactly. That's I've never I would never do it anywhere with any device I own in any home I own. No, I like know, that. No but way. I, I, there is curiosity of what's actually. I mean, you, we hear about some of the oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, a couple but years you know ago, there's got to be more out there. A couple years ago, when like the Silk Road was really popular, what's the Silk Road? It was like a a section of the dark web was kind of like a, an online marketplace. Where you could buy drugs, you could hire a hitman. Oh my could... god, you could buy drugs on there! Oh, it was it was huge. See, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean that's something I never because I haven't. It's, it was so much longer ago when I was accessing things that this that wasn't popular. But then when it, that Silk Road blew up, there was articles all over about people. A lot of people were getting their drugs on Silk Road on this dark web. That is cool. so crazy. It just blows my yeah, mind. It is crazy. I don't. Yeah, no. I don't need the FBI or it CIA right or whoever knocking uh, on my door, going, "Can we get your computer?" It was right no, around the same thanks. time that the uh, the bitcoins blew up because that's how everything was What's being paid for. See, I have no clue. What's bitcoins? Uh, Bitcoin is a it's an online current. It's a digital currency that's not traceable. See, you're the tech geek in this house. I am not. 
No, I, I am barely ever on the internet when, unless it's like Facebook. <laughs> when Bitcoins first, when Bitcoins are very early in their life, I remember reading some articles and you could buy a Bitcoin for like $12. They're worth like $20,000 a piece now. Holy buckets. Yeah. Do you have any Bitcoins? I think I have a fraction of one somewhere, but I don't know a what wallet it's sto- stored in. Yeah, like from when they first came out, but it pro- it's probably worth like five bucks. But I don't remember. I don't You're going to cash that even. bastard in Ooh, without yeah, telling me. Five bucks. Woohoo. Jackass. <laughs> I want part of that five bucks. Shoes. <laughs> 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 Buy me some little teeny tiny portion of a pair of shoes for me. Anyway. The laces. Are we talking laces for Ava? I don't know. <laughs> I just thought we'd buy a part of a shoe. What she part of a shoe can rainbow you buy? Shoe you can buy laces. laces. So, well, thinking of rainbows and unicorns. Okay. Not the dark web. So, I brought something fun to the table for fun. my last story. Cool. I like I fun. figured I went sciencey, and then I got little deep. I mean, it was interesting, good. Yeah. But it was like weird crazy creepy what to you've got to be kidding me so the avenging norwell play set oh my god so um this is a set with plastic norwell four interchangeable tusks each with special powers a crystal mind control uh hype hyponsis i can't even say it global communication Onyx, instant, uh, parallelous, parallelous, parallelous. <laughs> Parallelogram. <laughs> it's where you lose the lack of control of your legs. Oh, paralysis. There you go. And Ruby drains the blood from its victims. Ooh. Wait a minute. I thought it said four. And ice freezes water. Uh, creates icebergs. Chills beverages. I could use that. Chills beverages. Hmm. Creates ice. And uh, three representatives of the Norwals enemy species, penguin, snow seal, and a koala. Okay. So the Norwals true story appears on the back of the box. And I don't know if I should read this, but I felt like maybe I should read this. If you'd like to read it, read it. Because this is part of the story, or this is the story, but... um. If you buy one of these sets, this is on the box. Okay. For centuries, the Norwal was the great mystery of the sea. With the body of a whale and a horn of a unicorn, many people believe that these fascinating creatures were harmless um, of the icy waters of the Arctic Ocean. So recent studies, however, have exposed the secret agenda of these mysterious mammals and the true purpose of their extraordinary long pointy tusks. Okay. Studies revealed that millions millions of years ago, penguins, snow seals, and koalas ruled the earth. Snow seals and koalas. Okay. And penguins. Okay. Cute little penguins. So for uh, sustenance, they feast upon the whales, dolphins, and other sea mammals to point their near um, extinction. Um. But the Norwal went into hiding beneath the ice of the North Pole, bidding their time. This is why we see the Norwal with Elf. Okay. So, (laughs) Buddy the Elf. Sorry, had to bring it up. So, they're bidding their time, planning their revenge, and sharpening their tusks. Finally, they reemerged, tusk gleaming with newfound magical power, and fought back against the adorable creatures that threatened their existence. The battle was long, and many Norwals were lost, but their strong will and sharp tusks were enough to uh, stave off the cute ones temporarily. So now once a year, in a continuous effort to keep their enemies at bay, the Norwal leaves their homes to embark on the... uh, treacherous migration to Antarctica in the hunt for baby penguins and seal pups. <laughs> many will n- 
not return. Along their journey, they will spend time in Australia swimming upstream in the inland uh, habitat of the koalas, where they will actually leap out of the water to spear the deadly koalas <laughs> from their perches high in the eucalyptus trees. Awesome. That's the story. <laughs> That's the real story the real, real story of the, of the narwhals. It's on the box. I'm sure. I pulled it off the internet. I'm it's sure. It's true. gotta be true. It's gotta it be is true. true. Sure it is. Yep. And I mean, I, I know they exist. I've seen them in a meme. That makes them true. They talk about them all the time on yeah, the internet. It totally makes them true. Of course. But this toy is true. I believe the toy is true. <laughs> I think our kids need this toy. Maybe. We'll have you to know think they about like that. the Norwals. They do. They do. They do. We, but could you imagine? Where did we get them, <laughs> could you we imagine? Get them Norwals recently? Not and the re- picture is showing the Norwal like a seal yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the Norwal yeah. horn. So could you imagine getting this and just like showing the kids, hey, kids, I'm going to kill the seal. <laughs> <laughs> Ian might find it cool. He cool, would. but Ava might Ava cry. Ava would be crying. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure she would cry. <laughs> why, why would you do that? I'm like, that's nothing. Let's get the penguins out. <laughs> oh. Well, if you have an opinion on the Norwal, you can always send us an email. They're real, people. They're real. Outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. Or you could come to our Instagram page, Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Oh, no. That's our Facebook page. Outlandish Outcast is Instagram. Yeah, Sorry. they're the same company. Yeah. And we're also on Twitter at Outlandish Casts. We have a, a large back catalog. If you want to go to the website and check out the older episodes, there are 40 some of them up there now. And you it's can... all free. Yay. Free yay. of charge. You say catalog and I go cha-ching. <laughs> it's catalog. free. Oh, okay. Yes. It's you know, JCPenney's, something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, if you if you do like the show, uh, give us a, a rating, a review, a star rating, depending on whatever Let everybody platform know you are. how funny Look- I am and Alan's not. Yes, yes. Even though my first story was the best story this week, just wanted to say. Yeah, this week you get one prop from me ever so far. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's almost been it a year. It was a good story, close. though. <laughs> it was a good story. Yeah, we have to think of something really good for our anniversary. We do. Anyway, have a good week, everybody. Bye.